Germany signs the Artemis Accords. There's more information on Russia's UFO crash retrievals and reverse engineering projects. Biosignatures found on an exoplanet, but it's going to take a year to confirm. US presidents and UFOs. John Greenwald on David Grush. A new webinar that's just come out on my upcoming webinar. Scientific American becomes a new UFO gatekeeper. An orb causes a U.S. Air Force jet to malfunction. Laser weapons deployed by conventional militaries. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol does a document dump of videos and reports on UFOs. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Welcome to this week's edition of Exopolitics Today, the week in review. It is Saturday, September 23. And uh, we have quite a few stories to cover. It has been another busy week. So let me go over to my X feed. Uh, that's the new way to refer to Twitter now. So uh, I want to bring up this story about Germany just signing the Artemis Accord. So Germany uh, has just become the 29th nation to sign the Artemis Accord. So it is it is a big deal. Germany is Europe's largest economy and it is a major space power. Of, of course, those of you that have been following my work, you know that there is a breakaway space program that was established in, a, in Antarctica uh, by Germany at the end of the Second World War that was funded by the Nazis but it was really run by German secret societies that were successful in reverse engineering uh, flying saucer craft that they had found and that had been given to them. They had both. And they were able to develop these in Antarctica throughout the Second World War. So by the time Nazi Germany capitulated in Europe, uh, the breakaway German program in Antarctica was getting very close to weaponizing their flying saucers. And it, interestingly, I think there's good reason to believe that the German secret societies withheld that, that successful weaponization of flying saucers from the Nazis. So because there were many in Germany that believed Hitler was taking Germany to, to ruin through his reckless policies. And German nationalists actually were opposed to Hitler, as is, as is known, uh, through uh, various attempts to assassinate Hitler. Uh, Operation Valkyrie comes to mind. And so the Germans in Antarctica had their own breakaway program. They successfully developed it after the Second World War ended in, Nazi, in the capitulation of Nazi Germany. They developed that. They went off into, into space. They became a space power on their own, uh, forged agreements with the United States military-industrial complex. And, and so that's the kind of hidden history of the development of this German dark fleet. And it is, it is really still 
um, dependent on German DNA. Uh, you you have uh, people, uh, David Polides has been reporting on a lot of German scientists disappearing in American national parks. And it actually German males, or German, or German origin males capable of procreating have also been disappeared in the United States. Uh, David Polides has done research on that phenomenon. And I did an interview with him a few months ago where he discusses that. And so what's really going on is that those Germans were being used to kind of like stockpile the genetic uh, genetics of the breakaway German space program. And so Germany is a very important part of not only the NATO alliance, but also of this German dark fleet that was developed in Antarctica. And so by Germany signing the Artemis Accords and becoming part of this new Earth Alliance that is coalescing around NASA and around uh, the US military, in particular US Space Command, uh, Germany is signifying that they're going to work closely with the Earth Alliance, which will put pressure on the German dark fleet to also cooperate and not go and not not play a, a kind of rogue role in in outer space. So that's a very important development. Germany signing the Artemis Accords. So here's um, okay. So Jerry Wills, uh, he is a presenter. It's just been announced that he's going to be presenting at the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection from October 20 to 22. Now, the interesting thing about Jerry Wills is that he was told by extraterrestrials that he was dropped off as a baby to be raised as humans. And I did an interview with Jerry, and that's, again, a couple of months ago. And I told him about this document, and, and here's the document here. Uh, I wrote an article about it uh, oh, a few years ago now. So you can, if you go to my website, exopolitics.org, so here's the full title of the document. So you can just go to exopolitics.org and just type in or even just do a Google search for new, new majestic document reveals U.S. diplomatic relations with extraterrestrials. And as you kind of like go through this document, uh, it describes how uh, children or infants were being brought to the United States and they were going to be handed over. Uh, and this was going to be, this was part of the program. Uh, so this is, so what I did in this article that you can find uh, is that I, I cite from the article various uh, aspects of it, and it, and it discusses uh, the infants that were there. I'm just trying to find that particular passage, but it talks about the infants being left behind, that uh, there, there was a diplomatic agreement had been reached to share the technologies that there was a, a crashed UFO in 1949. The surviving adult extraterrestrial said that they had come to conduct diplomatic relations 
and that they had come to drop off uh, these babies, uh, these infants, and that this was the way in which the galactics operate, that they follow this non-interference principle and this is the way in which the positive extraterrestrials operate, that rather than intervening directly, what they'll do is they'll do things like drop off babies who have the genetics of the extraterrestrials and the knowledge, the information of those extraterrestrials, and it becomes an organic process whereby that culture, our culture, human civilization, is able to incorporate extraterrestrial knowledge and technologies without it being too disruptive because it's being done through children uh, being dropped off. And, and Jerry Wills is one of those. So he has a fascinating story. So this is the, the document it, uh, from 1989. It was originally, it's dated from 1989. It was marked ultra top, top secret. And uh, it, uh, it came out in uh, June, four, June 14, 2017. So six years ago, this has been circulating now. So there's a few articles on that. And, and very interestingly, it says that not only were these extraterrestrial babies dropped off to expedite uh, the United States' uh, development of advanced technologies, reverse engineering, extraterrestrial technologies, but that the same thing would be happening in the Soviet Union. And that is very significant because it shows that the extraterrestrials that were behind this program of dropping off babies, they understood that the planet was divided at that time in the 40s into these two major blocks. Uh, of course, the NATO block and the Warsaw Pact led by the Soviet Union. And so because the United States and the NATO countries would benefit from these, from the extraterrestrial technology and the babies, that in fairness to the non-interference principle, uh, that this was also going to uh, be extended to the Soviet Union. So that's a very significant development and kind of leads directly to uh, this next tweet where the my second interview with uh, Dr. Anton Anfalov has just come out. Well, it came out on, on Monday. So Monday it, it came out. And uh, Dr. An Anfalov, I mean, he, this is the second interview and I've done three so far. Another one will be coming out this, uh, this week, probably on Thursday. And uh, there'll probably be another one or two that I'll be doing with him because he has a wealth of information about the Soviet program on the capture and the reverse engineering of extraterrestrial technologies and how all of that was carried over into the Russian Federation after it was formed in um, 1991. So in this particular interview, um, in addition to talking about some more crash retrieval operations in Russia, and I, and I know that some of these crash retrieval operations coincide with uh, the 1949 Aztec UFO incident where that adult and uh, three babies survived and that they were handed off to the United States to be raised. So the same thing was happening in Russia. 
according to the extraterrestrial, that they would be they were obliged to do the same thing uh, with the Soviet Union at that time. So Anthony and uh, Anton Anvilov uh, describes uh, these crash retrieval operations and also describes some of the key facilities used by the Soviet Union in studying uh, re retrieved alien spacecraft. And so this is fairly uh, not well known, not widely known. He describes a facility that's located next to Zhukovsky International Airport, which is outside of Moscow. It's called the M.M. Gromov Flight Research Institute. And he says underneath there, there is a, a facility which is, which is very similar in terms of its function to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, for those that are not aware, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base has, since its inception um, in... Uh, 1947, and previously uh, when it was uh, known as Wright Airfield um, in the 40s, that, that uh, those facilities there that currently make up Wright-Patterson have always been the, the leading Air Force facilities for the study and reverse engineering of foreign aviation technologies. So all of the captured German... Uh, jets um, and rockets were were brought over to the United States, and especially the, the the jets and any kind of advanced aviation technology was were taken to Wright Patterson for study. So, so facility at Zukovsky Airport uh, plays a similar function. Uh, has played a similar function throughout its history, but more recently, Zukovsky has transitioned from being a military airport into a civilian airport. So today you can fly into Zukovsky as an, as an international airport. And the reason they've done that is that Zukovsky has, um, it, it no longer houses the, the most advanced um, spacecraft that are retrieved that these now go, one is in the uh, Ural Mountains uh, and uh, at a uh, state national park there in the Ural, in the interview, and Novos, Novosibisk, Novosibisk. Uh, sorry, apologies to any Russians listening to my pronunciation. So this is... Uh, Novoskibisk is an aviation plant in eastern Siberia. So that is also a top secret facility for taking some of these craft for study. So Anton Anflov has a lot of information. These facilities in, the, in Russia today captured extraterrestrial technology, engineering that's happened, facilities that I've mentioned, and also information about Russia's secret space program. So especially in the third interview that's going to be coming out uh, this Thursday. So you can look forward to that. Okay, next story. Okay, so this is a, uh, a story concerning the James Webb Space Telescope. They have found... Uh, a biosignature on a distant exoplanet. 
And this exoplanet is 120 light years away. And they found a particular part particle on this uh, exoplanet. And there you, you have the exoplanet. They've given it the uh, uninspiring name of K218. And the molecule that they found, which is only, uh, it only exists in an artificial form on Earth, in terms of life creating this, is dimethyl sulfide or DM. It's only produced by, by living organisms. So this is discovery of a bioorganism on an exoplanet. This is the discovery of extraterrestrial life. Uh, but uh, what is happening is that these, NASA is, is doing a slow roll on this. It's saying that, yeah, we detected something. It could be a biosignature, but we have to confirm. It's going to take us a year to confirm that. So they put it out there that they found something that is only produced by living organisms, which ordinarily would mean that, wow, you've got confirmation or you've got the discovery of extraterrestrial life on a distant exoplanet. But they're saying it's going to be the result. Uh, so this is, I, I think, uh, kind of like a, a slow roll. And, and it makes one question whether this is a, just part of a kind of ongoing psychological warfare program uh, concerning uh, extraterrestrials and UFOs. I mean, uh, up until 2017, uh, UFOs were dismissed. Now that that changed in 2017, and the last couple of years, uh, we've seen a surge in reports, congressional meetings, uh, proposed legislation, and uh, organize, organizations set up by NASA, by the Pentagon, all focusing on UFOs as, as a national security threat. And so I, th I think we are definitely in the lead up to some major announcement, which will probably involve the deep state trying to depict extraterrestrials as some kind of threat or that they may be behind these uh, UFOs. So I, I think this is probably part of that. Okay, so another story. Uh, this is a lecture I did. Uh, so this is on YouTube. So uh, you can go to YouTube. And I have the link on my Twitter feed. So the, the Twitter feed link is in the description to this article or to this uh, week in review. And uh, there it is on the website. You can go there and you'll see this uh, link to this presentation I did it was about an hour and a half and I talk about uh, US presidents and UFOs how different presidents going back to Roosevelt Truman um, Eisenhower and so forth have dealt with uh, UFOs and so uh, that was done in in 2021 it was a, a a virtual presentation for MUFON Orange County and it's now available uh, for free online so definitely check it out Okay, so this is a very interesting uh, article written by John Greenwald, who has done really excellent work with the Black Bolt in terms of putting up there you know, thousands of documents and um, you know, 
I think thousands or millions of pages now of FOIA releases. So he's done incredible work in putting information on his website that you can go to that have official documents and photographs concerning UFOs. Now, when it comes to David Grush, however, um, I, I unfortunately I have to kind of like think say that John Greenwald, who uh, really does great work, I think he takes a very unbalanced approach to Dave to David Grush's testimony. I mean, he he received a FOIA response substantiating Grush's key claim that he'd been cleared by the Department of Defense's Office of Pre-Publication and Security Review to reveal info about UFO crash retrieval programs gained from his military assignments as a liaison to the Navy's UAP task force and its successors. So even though this was known that he had been cleared uh, by this DOPSA uh, unit within the Pentagon, to actually get documentation confirming that, is a big deal because it just supports Grush's credibility. So I was really surprised in reading the article that Greenwald just kind of like totally ignored that and instead asserted that, uh, went on to assert that the released documents beg a more significant question. If the DOD has provided a portion of the material, albeit redacted, why hasn't Grush shown his requests in full? So, you know, this was really puzzling to me. I mean, because I, I understand maybe he, he doesn't think David Grush's testimony is as reliable as FOIA documentation, which I, I get that. I mean, he's all into FOIA and he's done great work on that. But I, I don't think you're doing yourself any favours by taking this unbalanced approach to a key whistleblower like David Grush, who has excellent credentials, who's worked with some of uh, these very important military units like the um, uh, NRO and the National Geospatial Agency as a liaison to the UA to the Navy's UAP task force and its successors. And kind of like skimming over that as like, well, we know that, not no big deal here. And then just focusing on, well, yeah, this this uh, document that was released through FOIA, is redacted, and if David Grush is is serious, is the is the real deal? Well, then he should release the whole thing. I mean, it's his document that he submitted to uh, Dobsa, and that Dobsa uh, approved it for release into the public arena. And and I think Greenwald focusing on the versions of that, which uh, predictably uh, the Pentagon did or Dobsa did because this is information that is proprietary or well let's just say that it's information that Grush can release in his own way at, at his own time that it's not something that the Pentagon does or Dobsa does so I, I think it really is almost unhinged to attack Grush and say well by not releasing the full document that Dobsa released is somehow impinging on your credibility. I mean, that's a real stretch and, to my mind, very unbalanced. And uh, I, I think this is part of the bigger problem that belongs to not just uh, John Greenwald, but a lot of your researchers. Focus on uh, documentation 
they focus on um, uh, hard evidence, photos, videos, because they're in search of proof. They, they want ironclad proof to convince the skeptic. Fair enough. Okay, I understand that. There's a need for that. You know, bless them. Do, do that. I think that's, that's, that's wonderful. You do that. But if you do that and you exclude whistleblower and contactee testimonies about the origins of UFOs, ET contact, and the existence of secret space programs, if you ignore that because you say, well, you know, this is all anecdotal or it's just uh, these people suffer credibility problems, so we can't know for certain, so we're just going to ignore it. You know, what you're doing is you're ignoring the truth that's out there. I mean, the truth is out there. I mean, there's people are interested in proof. Fair enough. Go for it. I, I'm not, I, I think that's important, and I agree you need to do as much as you can. But I also understand that it's never going to be enough, you, especially to understand the big picture of who's out there, who's doing what, what's going on. You have to listen to the whistleblowers. You have to listen to the contactees. You have to listen to the remote viewers. You have to listen to all of these different sources, even though they may not have in your mind the same credibility or degree of accuracy as, say, documents or you know, hard evidence in the form of photos and so forth. Uh, but nevertheless, that is what we need to get the big picture because this is, this is not just a scientific problem. If it was a scientific problem, then you would be absolutely correct that you just go with the proof focus but it's not a scientific problem it's a national security it's a political problem it has been from the beginning everyone knows that i'm sure john greenwald would agree with that this is definitely a political national security issue and so that means that the evidence is going to be covered up so you need to look at alternative sources to be able to understand what's going on and so this means going outside of those kind of like scientific sources and looking at whistleblowers, contactees, remote viewing, and other kind of exotic means of gathering data, and doing something like an in, uh, like an intelligence assessment, like a, the intelligence community looks at different sources of information and grades it in terms of reliability. So you might say, well, a photo, um, a site, a hidden nuclear site, or say a facility in Russia. Uh, we'll, we'll give that a 10 out of 10. But, you know, uh, an, a, an eyewitness of that, you know, something happening there, we'll give that maybe a, a 5 out of 10. And uh, we'll give a remote viewing of what's under, underneath that Russian facility a 3 out of 10. Fair enough. Or uh, So you, you, you grade it and then you're able to come up with an a, a accurate picture or a, a reasonable picture where of what's going on where you can say oh, with high, with a high degree of confidence uh, Russia has these secret, say, reverse engineering projects at Novosibirsk or in uh, the Ural Mountains, right? So you can do something like that. But if you just rely on proof, you'll have zero because uh, there's, there's very little on that. So, yeah, so that I think is important to keep in mind. Some people interested in proof, some other people are more interested in truth. And I think, you know, a, a bird needs two wings to fly. If you take away one of those wings, you know what's going to happen. Right. So, um, okay. So this is the trailer for my next webinar, uh, which actually is going to come out 
next week. So in one week, uh, Saturday, uh, September 30, you're going to have uh, the webinar on the uh, UFO crash retrievals and secret space programs. So this trailer, uh, this actually was, I'm narrating it with uh, Angelica and it was put together by my videographer, uh, Jazz Marlin, who's doing a great job in, in uh, doing these videos for us. So it goes for seven minutes. I won't presents in a kind of like in a nutshell what has been going on in terms of the secret crashes and recovery of extraterrestrial spacecraft, reverse engineering, and the secret space programs which have emerged from that. And that way back to Fashion 3 and Nazi Germany. Um, throughout the 1930s. So definitely take a look at that if you uh, enjoy that. And then I recommend you webinar. You'll get uh, four hours. It'll be probably uh, just over four hours of a presentation on this history, not only in the United States um, and uh, Italy and Nazi Germany, but also in the Soviet Union, China, and other countries uh, that um, I will be presenting on. So Saturday, September 30, uh, definitely I recommend you sign up for that webinar. Okay, now here's a very interesting story. Uh, this is a, an article by Scientific America uh, that is that is finally taking the UFO issue seriously. Now, uh, Scientific American is known for taking its time for acknowledging uh, what Thomas Kuhn calls a paradigm shift. So in the early 1900s, uh, where, where you had a paradigm shift from uh, balloon, from you know, flying balloons to heavier-than-air aircraft, where at first Scientific American dismissed the Wright brothers' claims that they were able to fly a heavy aircraft, that Scientific American quoted credible scientists at the time saying that this was scientifically impossible, that uh, it was believed that this could not happen. But it did happen, and then after a few years of, of hedging on all of the data, not acknowledging the Wright brothers, Scientific American wrote in, and, and said, oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, heavier than air flight exists, and uh, it is scientifically possible after all. So the same thing is happening now with UFOs. After decades of saying UFOs were just conspiracy theory, uh, there's no hard evidence that this is real or anything of great significance, now all of a sudden Scientific American has come on board and is saying that uh, this is something to be taken seriously. Now, the very interesting thing about this is that scientific american rather than acknowledging that the ufo researchers that for decades were kind of like these lone voices i mean I, i've been talking about this since uh, 2001 2002 i've been focusing on this issue but there have been people going all the way back to the 1960s and 50s 
talking about this issue and they were ridiculed. They were uh, dismissed from official positions. Uh, they were ridiculed ruthlessly. And so it turns out, of course, that they were right all along, that UFOs are real and they were a national security issue. So Scientific American is acknowledging that. But, of course, when it comes to acknowledging that this was an issue that was known to be real going all the way back to the 1940s, but it was covered up by the military, by uh, governments, that is now considered anti-government sentiment. And, and Scientific American goes on to say that that kind of anti-government sentiment could prove toxic to any factual and scientific discussion of UAPs. So, you know, talk about gatekeeping. I mean, Scientific American, after finally acknowledging after decades that this is a real issue and that uh, UFO and exopolitics researchers were right all along, now Scientific American is saying that, well, this is a real issue. They, of course, like many others in the mainstream media, date the UFO phenomenon to 2014, or sorry, to 2004, the, the USS Nimitz incident where you have the Tic Tac sightings, um, ignoring all of the data going back to the Second World War, like the Los Angeles Air Raid, 1942. Uh, a crashed UFO is there, and there are leaked documents talking about it, um, and eyewitnesses talking about that. Ignoring all that and now saying conveniently, oh, well, you know, that serious UFO research begins from 2004 and anything before that, we're going to ignore that because that's that's this kind of like unscientific conspiracy theory that uh, expresses an anti-government sentiment and that's toxic to any factual and scientific discussion of UAPs. And, and of course, what you have here is um, gatekeeping, you know, the, the classic gatekeeping Scientific American, you know, this is the article, um, very provo provocatively titled, UFO research is only harmed by anti-government rhetoric. And the subtitle says, conspiracy theories and related, relatedly anti-government sentiment could prove toxic to any factual and scientific discussion of unidentified anomalous phenomena. So they want this to be a scientific problem, conveniently ignoring that there are decades of research and data showing that this was a national security issue going back to the 1940s. So by definition, it is a government cover-up. It is a conspiracy theory rooted in a factual government of a real phenomenon. I mean, UFOs didn't just appear as a national security threat in 2004. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So, you know, this is, I think, very clearly the, the tack that uh, so many mainstream news sites, academic institutions, political organizations are going to take. They're going to say, okay, the UFO issue is real. It's a national security threat. We, we want to focus on the factual scientific data, you know, don't talk to us about government conspiracy theories. Don't talk to us about Roswell. Don't talk to us about any any kind of like uh, reverse engineering programs happening at Area 51. We, we just want to go with the facts, and the facts are these documents that, uh, that are being released by the 
UAE, uh, the Arrow office and so forth, and NASA using its instrumentations to take uh, pictures of satellites or UFOs. Uh, so this is the approach that is going to be taken, trying to make this a scientific problem. And uh, as you well know, this is a national security issue. It's a political issue. It is not a scientific issue, only it is an exopolitical issue. That is a term whose time has come. Extraterrestrials, exopolitics. Exopolitics is about the politics of extraterrestrial life. And, and so this is something that needs to now be studied um, as a legitimate national security issue. Uh, and, of course, I've been doing this work for over 20 years now. Uh, exopolitics is still a term which is uh, a fringe within a fringe. I mean, even a lot of UFO researchers don't want to mention exopolitics because, you know, they, they think that somehow it'll kind of open the door to even kookier conspiracy theories than the kind of like mainstream UFO theorists, uh, theories. Um, and, and as I was talking earlier about uh, John Greenwald and, and others wanting to come up with proof in the form of hard evidence and documentation and photos that show that this is a genuine issue. But if we want the truth, then we need to take a a wider approach and look at whistleblowers, look at contactees, look at remote viewing data, look at historical texts and uh, many other sources of information. Okay, so that's my take on this Scientific American article that just came out. All right, so the US Air Force uh, has reported to the Aldermain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow, about a 2022 UFO incident involving an orb causing a sensor malfunction to an aircraft operating out of Eglin Air Force Base. Now, the interesting thing about this was that members of the House Armed Services Committee traveled to Eglin and they were given a classified briefing about that particular incident and other UFO incidents. Now, when members of another committee within the U.S. Congress, uh, members of the House Oversight Committee's um, Intelligence and Security Subcommittee went to Eglin, they were denied access. And so, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, why in the world would the Air Force do that? Why would you deny access to one group, uh, to one committee, uh, in the House of Representatives, but granted to another. Um, you know what? What are you? What are you trying to do here? And and of course, naturally, those uh, people within the House Oversight Committee were very angry at that, and that motivated them to organise the July twenty six uh, House Oversight Committee hearings on uh, UAPs. Um, so why is the Air Force uh, taking this approach? Very very interesting. Um, yeah, you know, we can we can speculate as to, you know, is this just more of an effort of like uh, making sure only people uh, that have been given access to classified information know what's really going on, and that way you can, you know, 
perform the gatekeeping function more easily as opposed to uh, people learning about this in unclassified formats and then releasing it publicly. So a very interesting development. And I know that the House Oversight Committee is going to be doing another hearing uh, sometime probably October, maybe November. No dates released yet, but there will be one more uh, hearing. And uh, that, I'm sure, is going to be really interesting. Okay, so here we have a story uh, that's on uh, space war. And it describes uh, Raytheon, a space company in the United States. Uh, the British Ministry of Defense uh, equipping them with these uh, laser weapon systems in October. So Britain is now going to have laser weapons that it can deploy and use to shoot down things. And uh, so this is open source uh, technology that's been released. And I think it's a, it's a fair estimate to say that anything that's released in the open source uh, scientific uh, literature or community uh, you have classified versions of that that date back at least 30, maybe 40, even 50 years. So lasers have been used in classified programs for decades. I know that a lot of these lasers have been used to shoot down uh, UFOs. Uh, and that, that that is something that's actually been documented. I think there was a, uh, a space shuttle incident uh, space shuttle, but it showed a UFO being targeted by a laser weapon shot from the Earth into space, and, and it showed the UFO taking evasive maneuvers to evade the UFO. So that, I think, was in the night, that particular incident. I think it was STS-48 from memory. And, and so that is showing us that these lasers have been used for a long, long time. Um, I know there, there's also a book talking about the Brookhaven incident. That's when uh, laser weapons were used out of Long Island, New York, to shoot down a couple of extraterrestrial spacecraft. And uh, the craft were retrieved and they were started taken away to other, to other places. And it's... Um, it's interesting, what are the origins of these laser weapons? Well, there's documentation that's found that the very first research on laser weapons was occurring in uh, Nazi Germany in the 1940s. There was a uh, patents belonging or taken out by IG Farben that described the development of the first chemical laser weapons and that's in the 1940s so here you are in 2023 the united kingdom getting its first laser weapon system so i i think that yeah this is in the open source the unclassified world uh, but when you go into the black world uh, where you have all of these secret space programs uh, these laser weapons have been used for decades Right, so now we have a very interesting document dump. Uh, here's an interview on NBC News about multiple videos and, videos and documents that were just released by the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. It was a document dump, a data dump. No explanation given. 
And so Christopher Mellon, who's a former assistant uh, deputy secretary of uh, defense for intelligence, uh, he was interviewed and he, and he talked about the significance of these uh, documents. And th this is uh, a very interesting interview. Uh, you can take a look at it. It shows some of the documentation, some of the uh, UFOs. Uh, this is uh, it's showing here the UFO uh, that I think this came out first in 2013. I think it's called Aquadilla or Aquadilla in Puerto Rico. Uh, an extensive report was written about it by MUFON uh, detailing the reality or detailing the, the, its flight performance and characteristics. So here's a montage of some of the different uh, UFO videos that were released by Troll. So, you know, why now? Uh, again, I think that this is just part of the conditioning, the psychological warfare to prepare the American and the world public that very soon you're going to have major UFO announcements. And I think the deep state would love a UFO announcement that was predicated on fear and making people scared and that way they can roll out whatever it is or manipulate the general public in, in whatever way, whether it's to uh, conduct a major false flag operation, whether it's to uh, come out with uh, very stringent uh, legislation after some kind of UFO contrived false flag operation, something like um, the Patriot Act that was released after the 9-11 attacks, but something even more stringent uh, where, um, yeah, all of a sudden the UFO issue uh, goes goes mainstream and it's like, well, we're, being, we're under attack from UFOs and however they spin that. So I think this is part of the conditioning process because re remember, and I think this is part of the military intelligence mind until 2017. So we're talking from 1947, for 70 years, uh, you can actually date it from the 1952 uh, Robertson panel. So from 1952 or 53, uh, the panel convened and a report was issued in 1953. So from 1953 to, to 2017, uh, you can say that's over 60 years, the American public and the world public have been told that the UFO issue is ridiculous or that it's it's not real it's a conspiracy theory so you, you can't overdo or undo you know 60 70 years of psychological warfare at the stroke of a pen which is just one report you have to educate the public in a short period and so i think that's what's been happening since 2017 so it's been six years now they're preparing the public of the ufos being a national security threat and uh, I think that they're about to roll out the big enchilada, whatever that is, some kind of contrived UFO threat. And uh, I think they're ready to do that. And so this document dumped by the US, bus, uh, US Customs and Border Patrol is a part of that. Uh, you can go to uh, the Black Vault. Uh, that's the website of... Um, uh, that's theblackvault.com, so you can go there, and uh, you will have a full listing of these uh, UAP documents and videos 
that were released from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And so kudos to uh, John Greenwald, who uh, put together the Black Vault, and he puts this information and does excellent research uh, yeah, on uh, videos, documentation, FOIA releases uh, that have come out. So the Black Vault, dot uh, com for the full listing of all of these uh of this document dump by the u.s customs and border patrol so something is definitely coming i i think uh october november are going to be big months uh things are definitely heating up um as i said uh there'll probably be another uip hearing sometime in october november you can tune in for that uh there's going to be uh, the UAP Disclosure Act for 2023, that's going to be passed soon. It's on the verge of being passed. So uh, more more updates coming up on that. And of course, if you want to get into the history of UFOs, then uh, go to my uh, upcoming website, uh, my web webinar on uh, September 30. So that's it for the week in review for September 23. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and uh, share this document it's the way to overcome the censors especially on youtube uh, youtube does do a lot of shadow banning so yeah you just sharing this um, week helps so thank you and aloha you have been listening to exopolitics today with dr michael sala please remember to like share and subscribe to this channel join or start a conversation in the comments Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.